Hello, everybody. Welcome to Motherhood in Hollywood podcast episode 60. I'm so glad you're here. I'm Heather, the hostess with the mostest. Um, thank you for taking the time to download my show. If you have not subscribed yet to Motherhood in Hollywood, go ahead and do that. Go ahead and just click subscribe on your podcast app or on your uh, iTunes store there. And make sure you don't miss a single episode of all the shenanigans that we're doing here at Motherhood in Hollywood. Thanks. Appreciate you. Also, before we get started with the show, I want to tell you a little bit more about Up4 Probiotics. Up4 has been manufacturing probiotics and only probiotics since 1979. So you know they've spent a lot of time researching and studying their individual strains as well as their trademarked super strain. What amazing. If you've always been curious about trying probiotics, now's the time to do it. Up4 is available in your local Target store in the vitamin and supplement area, as well as at motherhoodinhollywood.com. Go right there, click on the Up4 probiotic image. That will take you right to Up4 where you can learn a little bit more about their probiotics and what they can do for you. And now let's start the show. Come on, mama. Grab your popcorn and goobers. It's time for Motherhood in Hollywood with your host, Heather Brooker. This is a crude prude's perspective on being a full-time mom in showbiz. She's not a perfect mom, but she can play one on TV. Hold on to your butts. Here's Heather. I hope you guys really are holding on to your butts because that is an amazing visual for me to have. And... (laughs) I'm just enjoying thinking about the thousands of people listening to this show, everyone holding their butts. Uh, (laughs) Derailing, derailing. I'm actually awake today. I've had some coffee, had a little bit of sugar, went to the farmer's market this morning with the family, which was so much fun. It was so nice, but it's really hot in LA lately. I don't know what's going on in global warming, perhaps, but it is balls hot out here. And some might even say miserable. This is, it's days like this in LA where I know, I realize why people want to live closer to the beach because it's easily 10 to 15 degrees cooler at the beach. It's a lot windier, but it's easily a lot cooler. And uh, so I can see now, I can see the appeal of the beach. I hear you. I want to, oh, let me tell you quickly, you guys, my guest on the show today is Travis McElroy. I've kind of been calling him like a power podcaster in my blog post that I put up. It's because he has eight podcasts. One of them he does annually, but the other seven he does regularly and releases them uh, weekly. And it's quite impressive what he's done with the medium of podcasting. For those of you who are not familiar with Travis McElroy, he has a very popular show. It's almost always at the top of iTunes, uh, towards the top of the iTunes charts called My Brother, My Brother and Me. And it's about him and his, it's him and his two brothers. He's the middle child the middle brother. And they just have so much fun answering sort of relationship advice and questions that people send them. And I think really we're almost the pioneers in the, in the question answer format of podcasting. So many podcasts have popped up since my brother, my brother and me took off where people started asking questions now and engaging their listeners and that sort of thing. So we talk about that. He's also going to be a dad. His wife is pregnant with their first child. And we talk a little bit about that and how that will affect his podcasting how he went from being a theater person, a theater man, uh, to now he he's a podcaster for a living, which is incredible to me. And also 
really is cool and speaks to what you can do with technology. Like that was probably something in college and I'm sure it was it's something I, and this is not something I ever thought in college that I would do uh, as a podcaster, but I'll tell you, it's so empowering to be able to have your own show. There's something about a microphone. You're sitting behind it, you know, whether 10 people or 10,000 people are listening, it's very, empowering. I mean, I just can't think of any other word to use. I think that's also why a lot of moms do it because sometimes we feel as we're going through our day-to-day lives, like we are not in control of anything. Our kids don't listen. Husbands sometimes listen, you know, our boss at work is telling us what to do. You know, if you're the boss at work, good for you. Uh, but it's just, there's just something very empowering about it. So I like, that's why I do my podcast. I like it a lot. Uh, so I'm excited to share with you uh, what Travis has to say. And he also talks about where he thinks the future of podcasting is going, which is really fascinating as well. So uh, definitely make sure you when, you, when you listen to the show, do me a favor, share the show with your friends. And I really appreciate it. It, it helps me spread the word about motherhood in Hollywood. And um, it makes me feel like you like me. No, <laughs> share the show if you can. Um, so I want to really quickly... Um, I want to read a couple of emails that I got from some people who are fans of the show. I want to start with Olga Herzhenko. She is a producer from the Ukraine who lives in LA now and is a mom of a two-year-old. And she took the time to email me and reach out to me, which I really appreciated talking about my 15 by 15 weight loss, um, um, challenge that I had earlier this year. If you guys didn't hear about that or read about it, you can go to motherhoodandhollywood.com and read about my journey there uh, to try and get healthier. And I really love what she said here. She says, let me tell you that I really like your podcast and please keep doing it. The podcast has such a, has such a cool and positive spirit and listening to it has become like a recharge, positive energy habit for me. What a nice thing to say, Olga. I want to give you a hug. That is like such a sweet and validating email for me because I've said many times on the show before, I feel like I'm sort of speaking into a vacuum sometimes. Like, although there is power behind the microphone, it's so nice to hear from somebody who is listening to the show, who discovered it, however you discover it, whether you're an actor or director, producer, writer, um, you know, whether you're a parent or not, uh, however you discover the show, it's so nice to hear from people uh, who are enjoying the show and enjoying the, all the hard work that um, I'm putting out there. So thank you so much, Olga. I also got uh, an email from our comment from Nicole Reddington, who just said, love, love, love this podcast. And that is so nice. Thank you, Nicole. I appreciate it. I'm sure you are an amazing person who will probably win the lottery soon. Yay. Uh, If you guys haven't yet found me over on Twitter, please take a minute to do that. We've got a lot of fun things happening over there. Uh, Sarah Hawkins, Chris Jackson, um, Mary, Chef Mary Moran, Mary Payne Moran is following me over on Twitter and Kim Hooper and author Jessica Leahy. Thank you guys so much for taking the time to follow me at MIH podcast and also go to Instagram and Facebook, search motherhood in Hollywood. You can find me there. And don't forget to keep up with my blog and all my writings. You guys would be so proud of me. I've been writing like almost every day and putting up fun stuff on the blog. And it ranges from everything silly from, um, you know, writing about film and TV shows to what's happening in my mommy world with Channing and starting preschool again and all of that stuff. So check, uh, check it out. Take a minute, go to motherhoodandhollywood.com and subscribe to the blog. Thank you again. Okay. So let's get right to this interview with Travis McElroy, whether or not you're like, 
a huge fanatic of podcasts or you're more interested in starting your own business or if you're an actor who is kind of looking for ways to branch out creatively and some inspiration, this is such a great interview. And I, I truly believe there's a little bit of something for everybody in what Travis has to say. So uh, here is my interview with power podcaster. I like that. I don't know if you like that title, but I'm giving it to him anyway. Here is my interview with power podcaster, Travis McElroy. When I saw you post that you were moving, I did have that initial reaction of, oh my God, what happened? Yeah, right. What's it's, happening to all the podcasts? What's going on? The thing that people Are think, you getting that a lot? Yeah, I'm getting it a lot. and uh, Not as much. There's something about my the the listenership that I've built that's very much like, yeah, whatever you want to do, we support you. Yeah. And so mostly it's people going, so what are you going to do about this podcast when you go? But like most of my shows I do remotely anyways. Right. So like it's it's not that like my brother, my brother, me, Adventure Zone. Uh, like I've always done those my brother, shows. My brother, me started in um, when you were you didn't live in L.A., right? Yeah, it started in Cincinnati. Yeah. And Griffin and I lived together while Justin was still in our hometown of Huntington, West Virginia. But even then, Griffin and I weren't in the same room. Mm-hmm. Like we'd rec- we lived in the same apartment, but we'd go into different rooms to record because we didn't so know funny. we were supposed to be in the same room. Um, <laughs> and we were just like, everybody records remotely because the podcast that they did at that point, mm-hmm. they all recorded remotely. So we're like, yeah, if we're in the same room, that'd be weird, right? Right, so, like, right. We'll be like all right let's record and then we go in our separate bedrooms and like i think back then podcasting was so the wild west like you didn't know the cool things that you can do with it now and i think it's slowly starting to catch on that's why there's so many people all over the country that are having podcasts and they're just crushing it with their podcasts i mean even now when people find out that like we're not in the same room they're like oh how do you do that and i start to tell them like all the technical they're like no no like how how do you talk (laughs) like how do you have that conversation without being on the same the phone room. with someone yeah i mean right? it's it's not a thing i would advocate for for people like who have been friends for like less than a year mm-hmm. like i do it with my brothers and my dad because like our rapport is such that i don't have to see them we actually tried a couple times to record with skype video on and it Was threw it us off so badly to be able to see each other? yeah we're trying yeah. to we're seeing each other's faces and it's weird <laughs> and funny. so but like i also do uh trends like these with my friend brent mm-hmm. who i have known since we were 18 we were roommates in college and like st- like we've known each other now for 14 years so like we don't need to be in the same room right, to have right. the company even then the first couple of episodes we had to get way better at like not talking over not interrupting because there's so many like physical visual cues that mm-hmm. people give in a conversation like oh i would like to add something right here. like where you're like oh uh, and that's something in my early episodes i do a lot of you hear me going yeah uh-huh right yeah mm-hmm. uh, uh, the whole time and i listen to that now and i just cringe well because it's i the, still do it <laughs> the thing is what makes podcasting so in so i grew up doing radio my dad um is a radio dj has been my entire life and like a DJ from back in the day when that meant like a morning show with mm-hmm. like bits and characters and sketches and not just like music and 10 seconds of, well, that was the new such and such. And now here's the like actually doing a show. Right. And so like we would come in and do bits with him or commercials or that kind of thing. Oh, that's fun. And when you were little? Or yeah. Like-, like from I remember doing it from like five on. Oh, like I we love do that. family based, you know, commercials. That's of like, so hey, dad, we want to go to such and such. <laughs> yeah, it was great. But like the difference between radio and podcast is such that there's something about podcast where you don't want it to be too polished and i always think about it like you could spend hours cutting out every um and er and pause 
and you know yeah and hey and oh uh wait uh but like that's what makes it sound like a conversation right. for people so really you just want to cut out like 70 percent of it you <laughs> know <laughs> cut out all of it leave enough but not so much that people go oh i hate this yeah. this is oh uh, it's so great i'm so critical of those early episodes but i didn't know i mean i was still so new and learning yeah. and uh i did do that a lot and i have another problem where i say uh a lot oh yeah because i'm constantly thinking of what i'm gonna say next uh like it just did so now i'm hyper aware of what i'm saying and what i'm speaking here's what you do you pick a phrase and you just lean into it because i realize on trends like these i say here's the thing constantly because we're talking about like what's trending in the news and so there's usually some kind of reveal of like this is what the headline makes it sound like but here's the thing and i realized editing the first couple episodes i said here's the thing like 10 times per story and i was like all right that's just my catchphrase (laughs) that's what i'm gonna go with now so Uh, mine will be um (laughs) yeah yeah i mean really if you're like well um here's the thing like just pick a thing and lean into it just know that like I think what people like about podcasting is that they feel like they're in the conversation with sure. you where so much of the time, like if you listen to NPR, you feel like you're listening to other people have a conversation. And if you listen to podcasts, yeah. And if you listen to podcasts, you feel like you're in the room. You just are waiting for your turn to speak a little right. bit. Like, uh-huh. but so many people will like tweet at me who like, I was, I, I know the, I knew the answer to that question I was streaming right, right. at the radio. Like it's this. And like, they know the jokes and they know the answers and they know the references and, it's it's very very it's a very very special thing um but like uh, i guarantee that your early episodes probably sounded way better than ours <laughs> i like we've now done 315 my brother my brother and That's me it's incredible it's a, a lot it's a lot um and our first 10 i would say are unlistenable and not <laughs> not because they're not interesting though i think Mm -hmm. that like we still hadn't figured out like what was fun like now we tend to maybe get through like three or four questions in the whole episode and then those first like five episodes we just flew through and weren't taking our time like being fun and funny and talking enjoying each other yeah Yeah. we were so nervous but also like i was using a ten dollar headset microphone combo from walmart griffin was using the microphone from the rock band video game and i think justin had like a ten dollar just microphone and like earbuds and like we sounded like we were talking in tin cans to each other oh yeah i've heard those podcasts some people are still doing that they're using the headsets and it just doesn't sound good yeah and what you want whenever you make a podcast for somebody is you want like the way that you get to make like 315 episodes is you find the easiest way for people to listen to it. Yeah. So like a little bit of sound problems aren't the worst thing in the world, but if that's the thing that someone goes, Oh yeah, I like it. Mm-hmm. But that takes it from a hundred percent to like 92%. Mm-hmm. Then that 8% of grading maybe doesn't make them listen to it this week. And if they miss a week, maybe they don't come back the next week. And maybe that now li- they're that's off puts of them it. on the edge to where they might be like choosing if they only have an hour that week to spend listening there, are they going to choose the one that was uncomfortable to listen exactly. to a little bit or the exactly. one that they, that they could listen to easily. Um, you have eight podcasts. Is that right? Yes. Is that right? That's an yes. insane amount of podcasts. I think that's right. I put out something like 27 episodes a month Jeez. of very, there's one, one of those eight is once a year. So that one, okay. that makes it a little All bit right. easier. I was like, Oh, well in that case, seven. Yeah. We do I have po- one and I'm tired all the time. Well, you know, <laughs> I'm like, it helps. It helps that like I I love talking a lot. Mm-hmm. 
And but do you have to edit all your own shows too? Do you do all the technical oh, stuff? Or? We share it around. Like Griffin usually does Adventure Zone and My Brother, My Brother, and Me. Justin will do My Brother, My Brother, and Me sometimes. I do the editing on Schmanners and Trends Like These and Bunker Buddies and Can I Pet Your Dog? And then Tybee and I take turns editing in Tarabang. Um, when I first saw that you were moving out of L.A., one, my first instinct is, what happens to Bunker Buddies? Mm-hmm. I love Andy. Well, right now, we've, we'll have have, by the end of this week, recorded uh, episodes for the next like two and a half months. Oh, good. Like we have reformatted the show now to have it be like us do some segments and then a guest segment that has made one. I think the show so much better. Like it was Andy's idea. She was like, we should do segments. I was like, yeah, we should. So we started doing segments and it made the recording so much easier that we're now we're able to bank a bunch. Oh, that's good. Um, and so I think we're going to keep doing it remotely. We've been practicing it remotely for a while now. And then once my baby comes in November, I'm probably going to go on like a two month hiatus and then kind of see how my life shakes out at that point. November what? Uh, Well, it's supposedly 17th. (gasps) We'll see. My birthday is November 15th. Mine's November 8th. What? November babies? It's all in there. Um, But so then we'll see how it goes. One way or another, Andy's going to keep making it. So even during that hiatus, she's going to find like guest hosts and everything. I do think you should take a break. You're going to want to take a break. Yeah. I've already, I'm, I'm stepping down from doing Can I Pet Your Dog? Um, Because originally I was just going to produce like their first 10 episodes Mm -hmm. and then they were going to like take over. Mm -hmm. But like, I just enjoy doing the show so much and they've enjoyed having me on it so much that like now I've been doing it for over a year. Um, so like that, I'm stepping down from the hiatus from uh, Bunker Buddies. All the rest of them, though, I think are still going to continue. Manageable. Yeah, my brother, my brother, me, and Avengers Zone are the easiest ones for me, um, because like Griffin edits them. Griffin's also about to have a baby. Oh wow! His wife is pregnant. They're two weeks behind us, so that's an interesting scenario. But those we'll keep doing. Those are our two like flagship ones, and then Schmanners that I do with my wife is easy because like we'll be in She's the same right house there, yeah. and we can work that's a whatever schedule. Too. Yes. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, trends like these may be a little tough. We might have to rework our schedule a little bit, but it's it's trends like these where we talk about uh, mm-hmm. what's trending in the news and mm-hmm. like trending on Facebook and Twitter. And it's the only reason I have to stay caught up on current events and pop yeah. culture. Because for a long time before we started doing the show, I was completely uninterested like, in like politics out. or whatever. It just stressed me out. And now from doing that show, I've learned so much more that I never want to stop doing it. Um, but we might need to scale back a little bit, maybe go every other week. I don't know. We haven't talked about it yet, but plan to keep doing all of them. And then eventually, hopefully, once the kid gets a little bit older, I'll be able to like expand back out. Do you know what you're having yet? Um, it's a girl, <gasps> supposedly. Supposedly? What do you mean? You're well, sure. like the thing is, <laughs> I, I, I had it. And there's so much parenting stuff that I had in my head of how it was going to be mm-hmm. that like I was expecting so much more precision and scientific (laughs) accuracy that when I go in to find out what the sex is and they just like crouch down and look really closely at the scan. They just get right up next to the ultrasound machine and they go, well, we think it's a girl. Yeah. (laughs) My, my, our OB said like, well, I don't see a weenie. So I don't like what? You're a doctor. Also, he said weenie? Yeah. You're a doctor. (laughs) And he said weenie. And so like both, (laughs) we went to an OB and a perinatologist and the perinatologist was like measuring all the organs and everything. And she was like, I think it's a girl. And we're like, 
are you sure? And she was like, like 99%. Yeah. Because there's always the thing there's of like, always we might just have not have seen the penis. We don't mm-hmm. know. And she's like, uh, and there's like all these other like blood tests and stuff yes. you can do. But like it came down to it and we were like, man, you know what to do it. What? Because uh, I was actually, I had to go through some of that too. They were like, because they called me advanced maternal age, mm-hmm. which is probably the most depressing thing you can say to a pregnant woman. I don't know how your wife um, is feeling. How old is your wife? Is she? She's. 30 yeah okay that's correct so she's not advanced maternal age no was... but we we did we had a miscarriage two years ago oh. so like this is our first kid and the first pregnancy after the miscarriage so like there's been a whole like so that's why we're going to the perinatologist and all yeah, that yeah. stuff because there's been a whole risk of like but everything's been going great and everything's been going fine uh, and you're yeah. almost there. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't feel like it feels like it's taking forever. It does. And then when it happens and you're literally in the shit, you're like, oh, my God, why was I in such a hurry? I see. But here's the thing. <laughs> right now, I feel like a lot of people have expressed that sentiment to me. Mm-hmm. And me personally, right now, I can't do anything. Like, my job now is to, like, keep my wife happy, mm-hmm. keep her comfortable. That's right. Make sure, like, we're moving and, like, carrying boxes around and make sure she doesn't do it. Right. Because she really wants to help and participate and like but i'm like you can't lift like 50 pound boxes you have to sit down she's like no i'm fine i'm fine i'm like no it's hard for someone who wants to when you're pregnant you do want to do something like that especially if you're used to taking care of your own shit and And she's very she's very like get it done kind of person Mm -hmm. but and so my job now has just been like keep her comfortable but once the baby actually comes yeah i can participate a lot more yeah and be like right now like she's just like universally uncomfortable constantly and like (laughs) for example we went to universal and uh we're like doing all the harry potter stuff and she could ride like one quarter of stuff. Yeah. And there, it felt so terrible to not be able to be like, okay, well, I'll take the baby this time and you go. Like, right. So right. I look forward to being able to say, like, okay, I will spend a day getting puked on and changing diapers and taking care of the kid and you just have a day. Go hang out. Yeah. yeah. Which I can't do right now. So right now I can do. You nothing. feel a little helpless. Very much so. Not just like in, in the relationship, but also just like in the world mm-hmm. because like, I can't see the kid. There's no problem solving. There's nothing I can do right. at all. You but can, once the kid's there, I can analyze yeah. and like problem solve. And like, as I say, you can problem solve and you can apply some of the things you probably are, have been reading about um, parenting and what yes. to do when this happens and whatnot. Then once they're here, you can finally start applying some of that. That's the hope, man. Like yeah. I, 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 I love fixing problems. Mm-hmm. Um, whether emotional or mm-hmm. physical or, you know, mechanical, whatever. I love problem solving. I'm right now, I feel like I'm waiting for class to start and I can't answer any questions right. and I don't have my textbooks and I can't do anything. Yeah. And it's making me feel so worthless and useless and frustrated. It'll be, it will be here before you know I it. I can't wait. It's going to be so awesome. Do you have names picked up? Uh, we do, well, but, I, but I'm not sharing Keep them. them. To yourself. Yes. Because even though I ask, because I'm always curious, we didn't tell anybody our names because we didn't want the judgment. Because our do- my daughter's name is Channing, and yeah. and people assume I named her after Channing Tatum, which I totally did because he's hot. No, it's fair enough. Um, no, but, <laughs> but people assume that all the time, which un- understandably so. But it, I, we didn't tell anybody. It feels like a difference between saying this kid's name is blank mm-hmm. versus we're thinking about naming him blank, where there's something about the second one that seems to invite input oh, in a way that I don't totally. want. Once no. I made a decision, I'm like, no. Nah, no, no, no. no, because everyone will go, oh, my aunt was named that. Or, oh, I knew this kid in college that beat me up or, you know, whatever. No, with that name. That. Yeah. So definitely keep that to yourself. I want to talk a little bit about um, where you went to college. Yes. I have to so. talk about that. You are from West Virginia. Yes. But you went to Oklahoma, the University of Oklahoma. I did. Now, why on earth would you do that? Well, 
Um, and I, please know I'm asking that as an Oklahoma State cowboy. I understand. I bleed orange uh, and black. Boomer Sooner. Um, oh! I will tell you. So <laughs> the reason was is so I, in high school and through college, I uh, was not the most committed to, I'm, I'm, oh, I was about to say something. I'm very smart. I was, was what say, I was going to say. I was about to say I was not very smart. I, I am, I am in fact very smart, but I was very <laughs> lazy and like I have ADD. And so like I, I, I always did really well on tests. Maybe that explains the seven podcasts. Oh, very much so. I get yeah. so bored so quick. Um, <laughs> I, I went from working a job where I was working like an 80 hour week to like doing one podcast. I was like, no, no, no. So oh, I added wow. a bunch more shows. But so in, in high school, like I did well, but I never did my homework. I never like paid attention in class. Mm-hmm. And I, like some of my teachers were very on board with that. And some were like, he has a different, line. I don't get this. I hate this. <laughs> um, and so then we, uh, took uh, I'm trying to remember I think it's called the pre-SAT PSATs mm-hmm. where like it's if you get such and such score you're kind of entered into the National Merit Scholar kind of pool mm-hmm. uh, and then you take your ACTs or SATs and whatever score you get on that if you qualify for the National Merit Scholarship Program basically it means that all these colleges will start well, courting you were you ever told you you just need to apply yourself? Well, that's the thing is I uh, the same year in, in second grade, I was diagnosed with ADD and put into the talented and gifted program. Mm. So like I I was both told like, "Hey, it's going to be really tough for you, but oh. also you're really smart." So we're going to put you in the hardest classes possible. Yeah, very much so. So I was taking all these like accelerated program uh-huh. classes, all these AP classes from like elementary school yeah. on, but also like it was really hard for me to care in class and pay attention. And really the only thing that saved me is my parents were very much like, this is not an excuse. You don't get out of shit because you have ADD. Like this is just a thing that we're going to come up with like through medication and behavioral stuff and like just expectations and understand like we're just going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And so like they never let never me let you get off the hook and anything. I was never able to say like, oh, well, ADD. Well, like I've seen so many kids so and parents happens. fall into yeah. where the parents are like, I don't know what to do. He's got ADD. And it's like, yeah, but like, there's things you can do. Yeah, yeah, there's lots of stuff you can do. Like it's all an expectation, especially when the kid's young, it's mm-hmm. all an expectation game of like, but everything's going to be fine. So like throughout my life, I've just learned ways to like not cope, but like, I exist in the world um, and it doesn't bother me. But so in high school was not super great. And so then I did well on my PSAT and ACT and SATs. And I was just going to go to Marshall, which is like the big college in my hometown, uh, Marshall University. And like that was fine. They had a great Mm -hmm. theater department and that's what I wanted to do. So I was just going to do there. And then I got a letter in the mail that was like, hey, this is University of Oklahoma. You're a National Merit Scholar. We're going to offer you a full ride and a stipend if you want to come here. And I, That's crazy. at first, I was like, nope. Because, like, that it's seemed, Oklahoma. it seemed like work. <laughs> that it just, oh, yeah. Like, it there was an expectation. It seemed like work. And, like, as opposed to my hometown college, which was just mm-hmm. like, I'll just be here and I'll still know all the same people and I'll still be a pretty big deal and it'll be fine. And my dad was like, well, let's just go check it out. And I was like, okay, but I don't want to. And he was like, okay, I'm fine. And so like me and my dad and my mom drove like 12 hours to Oklahoma. And like from the second I got there, I was like, oh, I I love this. Like the campus is beautiful. Yeah, it's a beautiful campus. And their theater department is amazing. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's like the second oldest theater department in the country. Mm -hmm. And like, I, I was instantly in love with the theater department, like everybody there. And so like, 
hour one, I was like, oh, yes, I want I to feel like I, I love your parents. Yeah. I mean, just be, everything you've said so far, I'm like, these sound like good people. Oh, 100%. And so, uh, like, I went and the first, like, 10 minutes after getting there, I had prepared an audition and everything. I had an audition scheduled and I auditioned for the department. Mm-hmm. And then I was walking around mm. the, like, uh, the scholar, what's it? Well, the, the, yeah, scholar program or yeah. whatever. And, like, got a letter that was like, yeah, you've been accepted to the drama. Like, an hour later. They're like, yeah, they're in. Like, a runner came and found me. And was like, yeah, you're in the drama department if you want to. And I was like, great. Um, <laughs> and so it, it was, like, a split where I was like, oh, this is incredibly scary, but seems like the right thing to do. So then, like, I, you know, packed up my bags and moved a thousand miles away Dope. to a town where I, I knew literally nobody i was surrounded by people who like were all from texas or oklahoma Mm -hmm. or you know they'd all come and like i don't know that there was any i think there was one other person that was a senior when i was a uh, freshman and she was a ballet major Mm -hmm. and so like we kind of saw and she was from huntington west virginia so it was like this weird connection there but like we didn't know each other really. yeah and so like i had to kind of really start from scratch as far as like making friends and making connections. But that's fun though. That's fun to get out of your comfort zone. And that's good that you did that. It, it I mean, it did. It was yeah. very developmental for me because I like, as the middle brother, mm-hmm. like I had a lot of friends that I knew through my older brother. And I had a lot of friends that I knew through my younger brother. And I had a lot of friends that I knew from doing theater, but like most of the friends I either knew way too well. And they would always know me as like, seven-year-old Travis or like I knew them because they were my brother's friends or my and I'm like I had never really established myself outside of like my family group yeah and so I spent four years of like no this is just me like discovering about yourself and who you were I'm not reflecting anybody else's personality from my family or my hometown Mm -hmm. like this is just me interacting with and even then it wasn't like oh I blossomed into a wonderful (laughs) like I hung out with some jerks sometimes and I hung out with some wonderful people sometimes yeah and I did stupid college stuff and I did really fun great college stuff you were acting then right yes are you still acting is that something you still have a desire to do um so my senior or the summer before my senior year my mother passed away um and it kind of like shook my whole understanding of like the world sure in this way of like oh time time is a thing that we don't have as much as we think we do right and i think that there are many people in college who take way longer to kind of figure out like oh time is a factor in our lives right ah, yeah most people don't figure it out till they're like 25 and at yeah. 21 i kind or of they're had, like a like, seventh year senior yeah <laughs> and so just before my senior year i kind of went oh i don't want to do this because it took me until i was about 28 to figure it out that what i liked was I liked getting up in front of people and entertaining them. I like making people laugh. I like, you know, I like being entertaining. I like that feeling you get at a party when you have a ring of people around you and you're telling a really funny story. Yeah. I like that blown up to like a room of a thousand people. But not stand-up comedy. No, because that, I, I'll tell you why in a second. So then <laughs> acting seemed like for people that loved it, it was great. Mm-hmm. But for me, I saw it as like, I'm pretending to be someone else, saying someone else's words, wearing someone else's clothes, in someone else's house, holding someone else's glass. And, like, there's so much to think about 
of like, oh, did I remember to pick up the book mm-hmm. from the shelf? Because if I don't pick that up, I can't hand it to him. And then the whole scene's ruined. That was like, there's so much mechanical stuff going on that people yeah. who don't do acting, they I feel don't, like, don't they appreciate. Have, they have no idea, yeah. The number of times I've heard people like, I could get up and say words. It's like, okay, cool. Well, I mean, but one like, glance at like Vine or YouTube for the latest you know, sensation there will give you an indication that people think they can just get up and do be an actor, yeah. a reality TV. And what you don't understand is how many different layers of thought you have on stage at any point yeah. where you're both thinking about the thing you're supposed to say, but also that you're supposed to take a drink and you need to walk to your left. And also like, ow, my, I just stepped on something and yeah. my foot is killing me and I twisted my ankle backstage and I can't let that bother me and I can't walk funny. All these different things. And like, I just found that all so stressful and so hard to keep in my brain Mm -hmm. that I was like, "Ah, I don't want to do this. And so, but I spent my entire senior year of college, like, I have no idea what I want to do. Just doing some soul searching. Yeah. Just like I was getting, I still got my degree in theater Mm -hmm. and I was in shows and everything and I was still auditioning for things, but like. I was, every conversation I had with people was like, yeah, but I'm not going to do this. And I'm like, my friends were like, even my friends that like, we were all kind of snarky with each other, Uh like sat me down and were like, hey, you're good at this. You should not give it up. And I was like, it's not because I don't think I'm good at it. It's because I don't want to do it. Yeah. And um, so then to answer your question about uh, stand-up comedy before I go on, I, what it comes down to, (laughs) this is terrible. But I think that I really respect the amount of work that it takes to be a good stand-up comic. Mm -hmm. And I've been to too many open mic nights and worked Mm -hmm. where I was like a tech guy at UCB for a while. And I've seen too many open mic nights. So you've seen it. I've seen the people who are like, you just get up and you tell jokes. You're just funny. I'm the funny guy. And they don't understand the amount of art and artistry that goes Mm -hmm. into it. Where I'm like, I'm not willing to put in that time. That time. People ask me all the time why I don't do stand-up. And I do occasionally. Like I'll go to an open mic or something. But I really think I should have started 20 years ago in order oh, yeah. to be honing and, oh. and like keeping my stories and like fine tuning them in the way that really great standups do. Because yeah. I, like you, love to go to a party and tell a great story yep. and that's fun. But translating that on the stage is really difficult for With me. With a room full of strangers Who that you're having you. to earn every yes. laugh as yeah. opposed to like your best friends. And they're like, I already know Travis is funny, right. so I'm ready to laugh. Right. Yeah. And so and it, it's also just like it, what it comes down to is I've been doing if I wasn't doing podcasting, I'd probably be doing stand up. Yeah. But like what it came down to when I moved here was like so to keep going with the story. So then I worked at Best Buy for a couple of years and I didn't like that. And my uh, one of my best friends from college, Sarah, started working at the Cincinnati Shakespeare Company. I went and visited her there, fell in love with that theater. Mm. So I was like, oh, I want to go work with them. So I moved to Cincinnati. And in moving to Cincinnati, my older brother uh, was like, oh, I want to let's do a podcast. So we have an excuse to talk to each other every week because they were doing a podcast with the video game website that they worked at at the time called Joystick. So Griffin and I moved to Cincinnati. Justin stayed in Huntington. And we started doing My Brother, My Brother, Me right around the same time that I got this job with the Cincinnati Shakespeare Company. So then I was like running two different lives of podcasting. And I was the technical director and occasionally acting at the Shakespeare Company. And one... I found incredibly fulfilling um, and one was fulfilling because I like carpentry and I liked building and mm-hmm. I liked problem solving. But like 
what it comes down to is I'm a narcissist at heart <laughs> and I love attention and I love acclaim and yeah. I love people telling me how great I am. And there are people in this world for whom a job well done is praise enough and they build a set and they yeah. love it and they put a lot of time and effort into it and like they, they don't need applause and they don't need to say and those people I and I mean this sincerely are heroes as yeah. far as I'm concerned. Good for them. Because like I did it for five years and by the end of five years I was so frustrated that no one was standing up and applauding my hard work <laughs> and no one understood how hard it was to build the whole set in two weeks mm -hmm. and all this stuff that I was like, I can't. But with podcasting, I would tell a stupid joke and like people would lose it. And I was like, yep, I'm going that way. And now. you get immediate feedback online. Yep. You get immediate feedback in the number of downloads you see the people who are attracted to your um, comedy and to your shows. Like, and so once I started doing live shows, where like we'd um, stand up so in front fun. of the audience and like do our podcast and people would laugh. That was the other reason that I knew like I could never do stand up because I'd have to work to get back to a point that I already was at doing this other thing. Yeah. And you know, it also when I moved out here, I moved out here with the intention of like I will do my brother, my brother and me. But I will also be auditioning for things and right. just seeing how it goes. I don't need to audition for things because I have this other job podcasting, but I'll just try it out and then like. A month after getting here, I was like, oh, that is also a whole life of work mm, it is. that I can't do. Like, I just feel it. I remember in college, there was this kid our senior year. We were taking a class called Preparations for Professional Work. And it was all about, like, building your resume and headshots. I remember that and class. It was like how to type out your resume format. This. and How to build your <laughs> monologue book and, like, what your type yeah. is and a voiceover audition, all this stuff. And during one of the classes, uh, the teacher, Tom, like, kind of went around the room and he was like, what do you got? Like, what's everyone want to do? Mm -hmm. And, like, when it got to me, I was like, I don't know, like, casting or, like, I want to do something where I'm a little bit more in control, maybe directing. Yeah. I don't know, but I don't want to do acting. And I got to this one kid, and this one kid goes, I don't know. I figure I'll either act or do music or be a model. I don't know. And, and Tom <laughs> was like, wait, what? You can't just, like, you can't. Pull yourself in three different. You need you need to pick one of those. And he was like, "Well, I figure I'll just start doing them, and whichever one is Takes most off. successful, so I'll keep doing." That's the one. And and it's like that's what a kid says when they don't realize, like, right. "Oh no, you think acting and modeling and music are fun because you have fun doing them now. You will fail at them because you don't realize, like, oh, I need to like wake up at five a.m. to get to this audition before mm -hmm. everyone else, and even then, I'm going to be fiftieth in line and hope that uh, they need more than forty nine people. Yeah, and like all of this stuff that is the work that goes into it. And if you're trying to do that in eight different directions, you're going to fail." Okay, my actor friends know that what he's saying is the truth. You have to focus on one thing and do it really well and then start expanding your world into other things and other areas of entertainment. So we're going to get back to the interview with Travis in just a minute, but I want to tell you guys a little bit more about Up4 Probiotics and the difference they've made in terms of our own internal health. Channing, when she was younger, had a little bit of stomach issues and digestion issues. We started giving her the kids' cubes, and they have worked wonders on how she uses the restroom and her stomach. She doesn't have any more cramps or pain after she eats, so the kids' cubes have been a truly a wonderful asset for us and our family. In addition to the kids' cubes, they also have a women's formula, a formula for adults and senior citizens. So definitely go to motherhoodinhollywood.com, click on the Up4 Probiotic, image and that will take you right to up for where you can find out how to create a happier inside yeah. and and 
Tom also said, you know, if you don't know where you're going, any old road will take you there. Mm -hmm. And I thought about that all the time because that was it. That's true. It's like, if you don't know where you're going, like meander around. But if you're like, I don't know, I'll end up somewhere. Like you're going to go off the path. So I didn't know what I wanted to do. And then we started podcasting and I was like, okay, I like this and I seem to be good at it. Mm -hmm. And my audience seems to like me and I really like them. And I'm very happy with this. So that just continued to grow bigger and bigger and bigger. And then it hit a point where I was so happy doing that. And I love the Cincinnati Shakespeare Company, and I will to my dying day, and they do amazing work. But, like, the backstage tech work just wasn't for me. It's not for you. Yeah. And, and I was getting older, and I was starting to feel like every day I my body just physically hurt from the amount of work I was doing. Mm-hmm. And I was just getting frustrated with that life. And one day, Teresa was just like, hey, what do you want to do? And I was like, well, you know – I have a bunch of friends that moved to L.A. I love the idea of Los Angeles. I've always wanted to try it. We talked about it a dozen times, and she was never okay with the idea of moving to L.A. And I was like, I just really feel like it will be a big jump for, like, just networking and my career if I can go there for a little while. Yeah. And she was like, okay. And what she, does Teresa do? So she's an actress as well. Okay. Um, and she's also like been a she was a lifeguard for like fifteen years. She started when she was like fifteen. Lifeguard swimming instructor, like So for her moving out here would be a really good thing too, then help with her acting opportunities and stuff like that. Is she still wanting to act? Well, or? so basically our agreement was we would move out here for two years. Mm-hmm. And during that two years, um I would build you know, kind of my, uh, don't want to say brand, but brand. <laughs> you can. That's I'm building I'm my brand. Building my brand. I'm building my brand. My personal brand. Of it like, feels really oogie to say that, but it's essentially. It's the most yes. It, it, but essentially, that's what it is. And a smart business person, you know, like, that's what it, that's what yeah, it is. I know. It's just a, it feels it, gross. It feels um, gross. It to- I totally understand. But yes, I was building my brand. Um, <laughs> you know, just like meeting people. And the the world of podcasting is interesting. So you can do it from anywhere, mm-hmm. but for some reason, still nine percent of them guess but a 90 percent, i would say is like done here because it's a bunch of people while they're trying to do other stuff recording their podcast and so like if you want to guest on other people's podcasts if you want to meet other people to do podcasting Mm -hmm. la is is the place pretty much where so many comedians that have podcasts oh yeah it's like almost every comedian now is like i have a podcast it's it's a great platform for that and so the deal was we would move out here for two years. Mm-hmm. I would shake a bunch of hands and meet some people. And during that time, we would have we like we'd get pregnant. Mm-hmm. She would get pregnant. And that after two years, we would kind of like see how we felt and then maybe move somewhere else and try something else for a while. Um, and so when we moved here, the intention was for her to not have to work because the podcasting was doing well enough. Mm-hmm. Um, that she didn't have to work. She she did for a little while, like uh, work as like a dog walker, cat care person mm-hmm. with uh, you know a group that does that. Mm-hmm. Um, and she works uh, freelance doing some like casting agency, like you know she yeah. runs the things and everything. But family was always a priority for you. Yeah. Family's always something you wanted. Is that because yeah. you come from such a big family? Um, you know, I, I've wanted to be a dad since I was like 18. I've very much been looking forward to having a kid. Um, and you know, Teresa and I talked about it a ton. And then when we had the miscarriage, it was very much of like, so the miscarriage came about like, we, we, we got pregnant, like apparently two weeks after we got married. And uh-huh. so it was very soon in a yeah. way that we were not planning that quickly. And so it was suddenly like we had this like, oh, we're pregnant. Oh, I don't even know if we're ready for it. Blah, blah, blah. And then we miscarried. And it was like, woof. You know, it was very much like a surprise 
very close to each other, like Mm -hmm. a month apart of like, well, we weren't ready for that. And now we're not ready for this. And so after that, it was this like, well, now now we're like doubly determined to have a kid. Now it's like now we're going to do this right. And like we were so excited to be pregnant that like we're going to make this happen. So like she comes from a family of like three sisters I come from a family of three brothers oh and God, family so is cute. very important yeah. to both of us. So it's definitely it's definitely a huge driver for us. Um, and so like that was the deal coming into it. So she's kind of been focusing on like getting pregnant and mm-hmm. I've been focusing on building my stuff to a point where your brand. Yeah. Where we didn't have to either like work right. outside of podcasting. So now we do Schmanners together mm-hmm. um, and she does like the casting agency stuff. Um, but mostly I've been very, very lucky that podcasting has grown into a thing that has been able to support our yeah. family in that's a fairly comfortable way. I don't think people ever would think that, A, that's possible. Yes. Or even 10 years ago when podcasting really first kind of came on the scene, um, I think it's been around a little longer than that. But I don't think people think that it's something you can make a living doing. And uh I'm always fascinated by people who can and who do. And you're an interesting case because that's what you're choosing to do. Yes. Like, it's not like somebody goes to school for podcasting. Oh God. Do you know no. what I mean? Yeah, I don't even know. It's something that maybe there's one forward thinking college right. professor in the world who teaches like, a class, yeah. but, but there, sh- there should be. And honestly, there could be in the future. Oh yeah. Every well, day on iTunes, there's thousands of new podcasts that are going up. So, and you know, I, uh, so Brent, who does trends like these with me just recently chastised me. Cause I kind of was reluctant to call it an art form where I was like my art (laughs) same as my brand and he was like but it is it is and like the thing is is I'm because you know there's good good podcasts and there's bad podcasts and I've done a lot and I've listened to a lot and I've done the work to figure out what which is which and that kind of thing I'm very okay so I don't want to take full credit for it because really what it is is podcasting is such the, it's it's the wild west it is. right now. I say that all the time. It's the wild. It's west. It's the wild west, and anybody can do anything and put it up online or on iTunes, you know, and call which it a is podcast. part of the wonderful thing about it. Yeah, one of my favorite things about it is like you'll never get notes, you'll never get canceled, you'll yeah. never get like <laughs> that's true. Yeah, you know exactly. No producer, executive producer is going to come in and go, "Hey, we're only going to do one more episode. We're going to replace <laughs> you. Like, we're going to replace happen. you with a better host." But it also means that like there's no clear guide. Like if you literally if you try to buy guidebooks on podcasting, they're almost always written by people you've never heard of. And they're, yeah. their podcasts were about like money and they were money doing economy centric. podcasts. And yeah. It's like, yeah, how do Finance. I do a comedy podcast and make money? And so a lot of it comes down to, we are very lucky to be on the maximum network mm-hmm. and maximum fun. I think is a very forward thinking. Jesse Thorne, who runs it, is very forward thinking because the, the, the way that the network is set up, we are supported by donors and by listeners. And a lot of podcast networks make their money through uh, advertising 100% right. or for, through sponsors. And we make some money. Like we have sponsors and donors. Oh, we have sponsors and advertisers on My Brother, My Brother, Me and Adventure Zone and those shows. But we keep it very, very, very limited. Mm-hmm. And the most you're ever going to hear on a Maximum Fun show is probably My Brother, My Brother and Me. And even that's like maybe two a week at yeah. most. Um, and what it comes down to is once a year we do a fun drive um, where listeners commit to monthly donations of five dollars a month, ten dollars a month, twenty dollars a month, thirty five, fifty, one hundred, or two hundred dollars. Wow! A month. And when they do that, 
they pick which shows on the network they listen to. Mm -hmm. And so 30% of their donations go to cover overhead and maximum fun and their expenses. But the other 70% gets split amongst the shows they actually listen to. Not just all the shows on the network, but the shows they listen to. Correct. So what it comes down to is a very brilliant way that I think all podcasts should operate, Mm -hmm. um, which is too often with, with sponsors and advertisers, what you run into is your money is based off of number of listeners. Yeah. And downloads, which cannot, is not, I don't think is reflective of like commitment. Mm -hmm. Whereas when you do donors, it's, you could have people are literally putting their ma- their money where their exactly. ears are. And so, way. you know, there's a show that has 30,000 downloads uh, a, a week. Right. Mm-hmm. And they make X amount of money from sponsors based on thousand downloads. Yeah, whatever. whatever. Right. Here's a show with 3000 listeners that no sponsor might ever be interested in sponsoring. But those 3000 listeners, 2000 of them give five thousand five dollars a month. Mm-hmm. OK. They're now making $10,000 a month. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like that kind of of investment. Mm-hmm. And that's what really the, the donors and listeners are making. They're making an investment in a thing they love and supporting. Imagine if like Firefly was able to do that. Mm-hmm. Instead of like waiting for people to buy ads and worrying about how many people were watching the show Firefly. It was the people who love Firefly. <laughs> Each of them gave the $10. Yeah. It wouldn't have gone anywhere. I love anywhere. that you said that. That's one of my husband's favorite shows. Exactly. That that. And that's a great example <laughs> of like people loved it, but not enough people loved it to make it worthwhile yeah. to advertisers. But enough people loved it that could have supported supported it if they do you think spent that, the money to do you think that that's the direction podcast is moving in i and, think it should be and even that but also with um even television programming because you've got now like cbs is launching their all access um uh program where you can buy online and you can get like star trek is where they're gonna be posting that tv shows are kind of moving away from the traditional cable format where you just get what they put out there now you can select what you want to listen to. I think what it comes down to is that's what it should be. I think that I've, I've said for years that that like pay per show or pay per channel mm-hmm. is the, the method that all these people should be embracing because what it comes down to is we have more opportunities to, for entertainment than we've ever had before. Ever. In the it's history almost overwhelming. Of, yeah. And so to expect people to sit down on a Friday night and watch a TV show once a week because that's when it's on mm-hmm. is is ridiculous to me because maybe you get that with a big live event maybe you get that with like the something or yeah something, or yeah. a show that you don't want mm-hmm. to hear spoilers about the next day at work but most of the time what you're gonna see is shows like Stranger Things mm-hmm. where they go up on Netflix all eight episodes go up at once someone sits down and watches eight 45 minute episodes and they're done and they're done because that's what fits into their schedules now yep. and it's the right binge there. watching yeah the uh, um, we talked to my husband and I were talking about this too it seems like there's no more appointment television nobody shouldn't be nobody is setting aside the time every Tuesday night to watch Dallas like I the did the only reason the <laughs> only the reason day. that should still, still exist uh-huh. is for like camaraderie because like like we just yeah. watched The Bachelorette, and like I had a group of friends what? that got together. Are you a Bachelorette fan? I am now. My my <laughs> little brother and his wife do a podcast called Rose Buddies, oh, where, nice. and it's a Bachelorette fan cast, and they're hilarious. They're two of the funniest people in the world. Uh. Um, and their show, I started listening when they were talking about The Bachelor, Last Bachelor, and so on. This one, I was like, okay, I'm actually gonna watch it. And I got a group of friends together, and every week the five of us would sit down and watch it on Monday night. And because it was like a ritual mm-hmm. thing. 
it it held some kind of special feeling to it, but not in a way that if I was by myself, I'd be like, oh, Monday. Ooh, I'd be like, oh, I'll yeah. just watch this tomorrow morning at eight right, when it's right. on Hulu and I can skip commercial. So I, I think that what it comes down to is the more flexibility people have to enjoy their thing, mm-hmm. the more likely that they'll actually enjoy it. So like one of the things I've always said about podcasting is like, like the number one thing. So people always ask me like, what do I need to know to start a podcast? And most of it is very like, boring mechanical advice Mm -hmm. like put your podcast up on the same day every week yeah so that way people know when to expect it because there's so much so many options that like if you're supposed to go up every monday and you don't have one up on a monday or even skip a week it leads people to go oh well i usually listen to a podcast now i'll find a different podcast to listen to now and maybe they don't come back to your show next week because they filled the void with something else and they seem to like that better right um, and stuff like don't throw up an episode going, eh, I maybe half my audience won't actually like this bit I did, but who cares? Or don't throw it up with like a bunch of sound issues because like, eh, that's what we're going to do. Like mm-hmm. there, there's a whole bunch of stuff, but like the more opportunities, like talk to them on Twitter, talk to them on Facebook, let them, you know, tell their friends about it, all these different bits of advice. But I think really what it comes down to is you either adapt or you fail. And so much of like the old, you know, cable, uh, like idea needs to adapt, especially as there's more stuff like Hulu and CISO and, and Netflix and Amazon instant. And you have Mm -hmm. all of these like on demand, services especially like CISO is a great example choose now and and that's why I love CISO so much and we're doing a TV show with them but I love them so much because they went we're just gonna do comedy in a way that like okay great so now if I heard of CISO I think I follow them on Instagram or something a wonderful idea where they said we're gonna do really well curated comedy and so like even before they had new programming on it they had like Every episode of Monty Python, every episode of Saturday Night Live, every episode of Parks and Rec, every episode of 30 Rock, every episode of Monty, uh, Mighty Boosh, every episode of Kids in the Hall, oh, ev- awesome. like all of these different shows. Is it shows. online? Yeah. Or is it something you can get through your TV? Um, I think it's available on Roku and maybe like maybe, the Fire yeah. Stick, but I know it's available online. Uh-huh. Um, and so we're doing a My Brother, My Brother, and Me TV show with them. One, because the people who run it were like, oh, we're big fans of My Brother, My Brother, and Me. And also because like just looking at their lineup, it was like every show that had influenced our sense of humor was, was like on their lineup. Yeah. And we're like, oh, okay, cool. Is so like you get like what's funny. A documentary style thing with you guys, or is it going to be scripted? <sighs> I mean, we're still, it's not going to be scripted. It's going to be, uh, very like real life. Are we we haven't see nailed you down recording this the podcast. Maybe or? No, that will probably be a part of like we haven't nailed down enough Specific. of the details yet that I don't want to commit to anything. But tell me everything now. It'll mostly be. <laughs> I mean, I can tell you this: it's going to be us being us. Yeah, like, it's not going to be scripted. It's not going to be like us trying to like act and pretend right, to be right. versions of ourselves that we're not. It's going to be very like real. Um, we're shooting it in our hometown. And so, like, it's going to be, like, very real us and very real life, like, Huntington. And what we wanted to feel like, like, what it would be like to hang out with us. Because, like, my my wife always jokes that, like, the podcast, that's what it's It's like like to sit in a room with the three of us. Yeah. So, like, that's kind of the feeling we're going for is, like, we want it to feel like you're walking around our hometown with us. 
Um, what does it feel like for you? Um, cause we talked about this cause I was a guest on bunker buddies talking about, um, parent prepping and stuff mm-hmm. like that. It was so much fun. I seriously left there going and what else would I do? And my mind was just really <laughs> like, what else would I prepare? What else can I pre- uh, prep for? Um, and we talked a little bit about, uh, sort of the celebrity status that comes along now with podcasting mm-hmm. because there are podcast conventions. You're asked to go and speak. You guys go to events, um, you know, rather individually or together or whatever. What, how has that changed for you? Cause you now have sort of a celebrity like podcaster status. Yes. Um, are people looking up to you like, you know, you're their podcast hero or like, is it weird for you? I, uh, okay. Cause you're a big deal. I mean, you, to have this, the number of shows that you have one, but that are all consistently in the top of the iTunes charts, that one has to bring a lot of pressure, but it also, everybody knows who you are. I, so this is going to sound like just BS because everybody I'm says excited. That. But the thing <laughs> is, is like, I am very lucky that, our listener like fan base are they are wonderful mm-hmm. um i know a lot of people who work on the internet full time doing a bunch of different jobs ranging from like youtube to you know journalism and i have seen the way that the internet can treat people so mean and for whatever reason there is not a single one of it doesn't seem like there's a single one of those people in the my brother and my brother. Yeah, you have a lot of fans. And and they're wonderful. Mm-hmm. Like to a point where they're amazing. I literally would not be able to support my family if they weren't as supportive and wonderful as they are. So mm-hmm. like when we do a live show and they come to the live show, we just did a live show in Boston um and I would say it was like a 1200 seat theater and probably at least 600 of them stuck around afterwards That's to like great. say hi and wow. take pictures and they they are wonderful. Do you feel pressure then to like be funny or to like You know, I you don't know? because one, I, I would if I was by myself. Mm-hmm. If if like I was stand another reason not to do stand up. If I was standing up in front of people by myself, I feel like it would be like, Oh, you gotta carry this. Yeah, but make them laugh. My wife before we did our first um live show in Chicago, my wife gave me a piece of advice that has basically carried me through that li- first live show happened in our first year. So like has carried me through the rest of the time, which was to not worry about making the audience laugh, to just get up and make Justin and Griffin laugh. Mm-hmm. And like, that's the thing I've been doing all my life. Like I'm an expert at making Justin and Griffin laugh. So I worry about that. Yeah. And I don't worry about the audience. And like, I just look at my brothers during the whole show and I make them laugh and we're talking to each other. Um, because I think if I was trying to make the audience laugh, I would feel pressure and like, it probably wouldn't be as good either because mm-hmm. I'm trying to, yeah. but if I'm just making Justin and Griffin laugh, the audience is laughing with us. Um, and also they really, they really want to laugh. They want their, no, I, I don't think that there's anybody who's coming to the shows going, impress me. Yeah, I yeah. think that they're coming what and like, I'm so excited about this and I want to be here with this. And like, I, I, sometimes I get nervous, um, like I I've I'm very cautious about like what I put out into social media and I think like I you know read through tweets like eight times before I post them because I don't want to be callous and I don't want to be thoughtless in my actions mm-hmm. and so I don't want to say a thing in terms of like commenting on something that may be happening in pop culture yeah or but also just like replying back to someone there are so many different 
revolutions going on in the world as there are groups of people who finally feel comfortable saying, hey, I'm actually not okay with this, Mm -hmm. and this hurts me and scares me, and there are people in the world that think that they are being too PC and too sensitive, Mm -hmm. and I don't want to be one of those people. I want to be one of the people who trusts the opinion of people that are actually in the group rather right. than me trying to tell them how they're supposed, how they're to, supposed feel, to feel. Yeah. So, and some, and I'm not perfect and I will often make jokes or say a thing that makes someone go, um, that's actually not okay. And sometimes I get stupidly defensive about it, but most of the time I try to be like, you know what? You're right. I didn't think that through enough. And like mm-hmm. I was making a joke, but I didn't think about the words I was using or how that would sound or right. what it would make it seem like I feel and so I take that very, very seriously that I don't I don't want people to think that I'm not on their side. And one, for selfish reasons, because I want them to keep liking my show and right. I want them to feel like they can feel comfortable liking the stuff that I do. But also because like, what fun is it to make jokes at people's expense and drive them away? That's right. it's not cool. Like, and we when we started My Brother, My Brother, Me, you know, we are three heterosexual white dudes from (laughs) West Virginia and we didn't come into it with this like you know breadth of knowledge of like what was and wasn't okay to say and and like we weren't trying to be mean and we weren't trying to like pick on anybody but we would use words or like slang or terminology that we had no idea was offensive yeah and then like someone would say like hey that's and for whatever reason we were blessed with a really wonderful audience that instead of like turning out swinging and being combative with us would say like hey you probably didn't know it but that's actually not okay and we go oh my god and so we just started paying way more attention and listening a lot better um and like really trying to be on point and being as inclusive as possible because i know of you know i know that there are shows out there and there are people out there who seem to build an audience and seem to build a product that's about like just getting the people that agree with them to listen and shunning and mocking all the people that they don't agree with. Right. And that seems so sad and angry Mm -hmm. to me that I, and I, you know, God bless them if that's what they're doing and that's their living and that's how they want to be. Go for it. But like for me, the idea of anyone being out in the world being like, but you know what? That Travis McRae, I hate him because he says like, I couldn't, stand that yeah 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 especially because i'm me and i want people to love me but also because like to know that i made someone feel that way like enough that they feel anger when they think about me that i took that little bit of happiness away from them Mm -hmm. to make a joke is is not okay it's harder to get laughs when you're trying to be nice to each other but it feels so much better no comedians are known for being the kind comedian yeah because there's really comedy in conflict and the rage and the anger. You, you know are I mean? right. And the problem is really good comedians mm-hmm. can do that non-directionally. John Mulaney. I love John so Mulaney. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steve Martin. Uh, Mitch Hedberg. I like Sinbad. Like there are comedians. Sinbad. Well, maybe not Sinbad. Who's but there are, com- <laughs> there are comedians. Like, well, that's a throwback. Who's the comedian right now? His name is escaping me. Very popular. He has a TV show about his family, his kids based out of New York. I know you. he's tall, blonde. Oh, Jim Gaffigan. Yes, thank you. Yeah, Jim Gaffigan. Like, he doesn't have mean stand-up. Right. And so there's a difference between, like, saying things mm-hmm. that might be, like... There's a difference between being edgy mm-hmm. and being mean. And, like, 
Cameron Esposito is like my favorite working comedian like that exists in the world. And what I love about her is she makes observations and she will comment on groups of people and she'll comment on herself and she'll comment on people in the world. And they are funny observations without being mean. It's more like you go, oh, that's true, because she's a really good comedian. And then there are people out there who will just say a mean jab to get a laugh like a bully would because they are not good comedians. Right. And I think that if you if you do that like mean jab, that's A to B. That's not creative. A to C, A to D, making a joke out of a thing that's not inherently funny, that's great. Now, I will also say that I've seen those like, you know, the kind of meaner comedians Mm -hmm. who are so good at it. As to do that and not be offensive. Everybody thinks they're Lenny Bruce because they're edgy and aggressive. But Lenny Bruce was a genius and not everybody's a genius. Right, right. So not everybody can be Lenny Bruce. Right. Not everybody can be George Carlin because George Carlin was a genius. Was a genius. So yeah. if you're just like imitating George Carlin, you're just like those people at an open mic who thinks all you have to do is get up and tell Insult jokes. people. Because they're not putting the work in to be so good at it that people walk out going, that was really edgy. But like nobody here is mad about anything they said because they did it so deftly that like they didn't actually offend anyone, but they, maybe people feel offended, but they don't know why. Right. <laughs> and like Paul F. Tompkins is is so one of my comedy heroes who I think has a really great way of making wonderful observations in which maybe he makes a joke about someone being stupid, but he doesn't call out a group of people or name anyone. Mm-hmm. And it's just... I, I, I just feel like it's the difference between really great comedy and mediocre comedy that appeals to a much higher, like, lower common denominator. Right. Where everybody's like, I get the joke. And it's like, well, if everybody gets the joke, maybe it's not a great joke. Right. You know? I do love comedy where it's hard to get me to laugh at something, like, out loud at a joke because I'm a discerning laugher. That doesn't mean I think it not I don't think it's funny. I'm just a discerning laugher. But I love the jokes that take a minute oh, yeah. to think about. Um, where it's a kind of rolling joke a little bit. Um, so we're almost out of time, but I want to ask you quickly, how is your podcasting world going to change after you become a dad? Are you going to create a dad podcast in your future? A dad podcast in your future? I don't know. It's such a good question right now. It's shaping up to be that by like December, me and my brothers will each have a kid. Um, I, I feel like my sense of humor has been bad dad jokes for so long now without <laughs> like, a kid. I'm there. Yeah. Like my wife and I always talk about like what our personal like personalities are. And mine has always been like, you know, like a corny, corny dad. dad, corny dad. <laughs> and like my friends are like young grandparents and she's uh, like, so we have all these different like classifications for us. Um, I don't know that I look forward to a day. When my kid is old enough that we can do a show together. Um, I don't know how much I can contribute to the world of like, hi, let me tell you how to be a good dad. I've been a dad for a month. Like, maybe <laughs> I'm not the expert. That. I think it's that you talk about, because I'm not an expert either. I say that all the time on the show. I talk about parenting stuff, though. I just sort of talk about what's happening in my life, what I'm facing day to day, and like combining that with my love of acting and, you know, all of that. I don't even think you have to... I, I don't think people want experts. They want to hear that you're struggling like they are, which is, you know, it's that connection. The interesting thing, especially my brother, my brother and me, is 
we've been doing it now for six years Mm -hmm. and it has it's it's you could go back and we're we're very us in it and so you can go back and like when we started i had just started dating Teresa. we'd been dating for like two weeks when we started the show justin didn't have a kid but he was married and griffin was single and really like hating that he was single and over the course of that six years griffin met fell in love with and married rachel I got engaged to and married Teresa. Justin and Sydney had a kid. We've all taken on different jobs and moved to different places. Griffin ended up in Austin. I ended up in Los Angeles. All this stuff has moved and changed, and it's affected like the type of questions that we answer. Yeah, I'm sure. Our, our, like, we, Your perspective has yeah. changed. And yeah. since, since Justin and Sydney had Charlie, we've been doing a lot more like parenting questions. Since like we got married, we've been doing a lot more like marriage advice. Not on purpose, but those questions tend well, to make it Well, it's reflective of your life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, there were questions before, like when only one of us was married, we were less likely to do marriage questions because we, we didn't have as much to talk about. Right. But now we have more and more to talk about. So I imagine that we when there are three kids present, there will be a lot more, more discussion and relating to stuff. that um, in subtle ways that mm-hmm. I don't think we're going to actively like make a push. I Right now, especially if I scale down the amount of podcasts, I don't plan to add any new ones anytime soon. Yeah. Maybe talk to me again in like two years. <laughs> um, but I, I think that there will be a lot more perspective mm-hmm. that maybe we didn't have before. Especially like, you know, we do schmanners. You'll, be, you'll and we be amazed at some of the things all of a sudden that'll pop in that you want to talk about. Well, and like, you're like, I got to tell somebody about this. Well, and we've already started doing like on schmanners. Like we did an episode about uh, like airplane etiquette. Oh, and like, yeah. The idea of like kids and like those little goodie bags and stuff came up and we were like, huh, like I feel very differently about this than I would have before she was pregnant and like mm-hmm. all these different feelings. I am anti those goodie bags, yeah, by the way. I'm already go- like I'm already going to be going through enough having a baby on the plane. I don't need to like, make goodie bags. How about you make a goodie people. bag for me? Because right. I'm dealing with this all the time exactly. and you're dealing with it for four hours. Yeah, exactly. Um, just my opinion. Yeah. Um, but that I feel differently then maybe I would have made jokes about four years ago. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I, I think that there will be definite changes, but not maybe in a like conscious way. All right. Well, if you ever do a parenting podcast, I want to come on as Deal. a guest. Agreed. And I want to talk about this moment and be like, remember back then oh, when yeah. you said. I'm sure I will, because that's how all of my podcasts have come into being is I've suddenly had the idea of like, I want to talk about this and make people listen to it. <laughs> and so maybe Let's like start a show. I'm, I guarantee in Bang, I do a show called in Bang, uh with my friend Tybee where we talk about like what's frustrating us mm-hmm. and frustrating us about the world. And I guarantee there is going to be some like parenting a conversations parenting on, that. Stuff yeah. on that. Oh, well, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to um, watching sort of all the things that change in your world. All good things. Hopefully. All good things. And I'm so glad I got to talk to you before you left. I really appreciate well, you. Well, maybe I can come back. I plan on visiting a lot, like once yeah. a month. So maybe That's I great. can come back on the show sometime. I would love that. You great. come back on and tell me how it's all turning out. Sounds great. <laughs> and tell everybody quickly where they can find you and all your shows. Not uh, that they probably don't already know. but Most shows are on MaximumFun.org. Uh, my Brother, My Brother, Me, The Adventure Zone. Uh, the Adventure Zone, I play Dungeons and Dragons with my brothers and our dad. And we are not very good at it. <laughs> and Trends Like These, where I talk about what's trending on the internet. Um, Bunker Buddies, where Andy Bolton and I talk about the apocalypse. Can I Pet Your Dog, where we talk about dogs. Um and Schmanners, where I talk about etiquette with my wife. All of those are on MaximumFun.org. 
Um, you can also listen to Interrobang with Travis and Tybee. You can find that on iTunes, or you can just Google it. Uh, or you can go to interrobangcast.com. And then the eighth show I do that's once a year is called Till Death Do Us Blart. And me and my brothers and our friends Tim and Guy, who are from the podcast The Worst Idea of All Time, once a year we watch and review Paul Blart Mall Cop 2. <laughs> and we are going to do it, and it's every American oh, Thanksgiving. God, I love it. And we will do it every American Thanksgiving for the rest of linear time. As you should. We've already committed that when one of us dies, we will be replaced by a new host, and the show must continue forever. Forever. We have so far done one episode, <laughs> and we are coming up on our second episode in a couple of months. Um, oh. And it might be conceptually my favorite show that we do oh my god i love it so much um and you can find all of that and all of the shows and stuff my brothers do at mcelroyshows.com m-c-e-l-r-o-y-s-h-o-w-s.com everything's there perfect and uh also you guys i will put everything on motherhoodandhollywood.com too some links there make sure you follow me on twitter at mih podcast and find motherhood in hollywood on instagram and facebook travis Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you you for having me. Thanks for being on the show. All right, you guys have a great week. Remember, I'm not a perfect mom, but I can play one on TV. Bye. Mama funny. Balls. Rediscover Cupid, Bacchus, Hermes, Medusa, and other beloved mythological heroes and gods at the Getty Villa, an enchanting recreation of an ancient Roman country house in a quiet canyon overlooking the Pacific Ocean. Discover masterpieces never before on view and explore the Getty Museum's Greek, Roman, and Etruscan treasures. The Getty Villa, located just one mile north of Sunset Boulevard on the Pacific Coast Highway. Reserve your free tickets today at getty.edu villa.